0: Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. Today, I'm with Melanie LaRosa, Jules Rochelle Sievert, Anne Chopper Inglot, and Victor Dabson to talk about art and community engagement. Melanie LaRosa is a professor of media production at Pace University in Pleasantville, New York. She is an award-winning independent filmmaker, and her latest film, How to Power a City, is currently in post-production, with short excerpts screening at festivals worldwide. Jules Rochelle Sievert is an artist and creative director at New Law Lab at Northeastern University School of Law. She has developed key cross-disciplinary institutional projects, community-based partnerships, and creative programs for the lab. Anne Chopper Inglot is a professor of practice in architecture and humanities in the arts, cultural, and media department at Rutgers University, Newark, and co-directs Express Newark, a 50,000-square-foot university arts community center. Victor Davson is a visual artist and founding director of Algira, a Center for Contemporary Art in Newark, New Jersey, and has served as director for 33 years. Welcome. Thank Thank you. Thank you you very much. Uh,
1: Thank you. Um, I'm just going to talk briefly, give you some context for what we do at New Law Lab. Um, We consider ourselves to be a design lab that is centered within a public interest law school that is supported by clinical legal education programs. Um, We're located in Boston, Massachusetts. We're six years old. Um, And uh, I guess through our practices and through our collaborations, we aim to solve complex problems by building unique partnerships with community groups, courts, social justice organizations, technologists, and other academic disciplines. And we are really interested in using the methods of co-design and collaboration and we work with artists and practitioners from different disciplines to identify and cultivate um, new approaches to transform legal education, the legal profession, and the delivery of legal services. But we want to do that in a creative way. So we work with a lot of artists and community organizers. And we also teach a class. So we work with students. That, um, and we kind of dovetail our pedagogical program with our community-based program. So we teach a class called Applied Design in Legal Empowerment. And this um, term we're working with a practitioner um, from the School Museum of Fine Arts and Tufts. His name is Anthony Romero. And we're working with him to support um, kind of a creative legal strategy that will be embedded with his installation at the ICA later this summer. So our law students are really excited and having a great time um, working with Anthony. Um, What we realized about some of our law students is a lot of our law students come to us from design backgrounds. So a lot of the what they a lot of them have design training or training in photography or filmmaking, but wanted to find a deeper systemic way to engage some of those skills um, in the effort to uh, create uh, the social changes that they wanted to see. Um, so that's a little bit about the lab. Great.
2: Um, I'll jump in. Um, this is Anne, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Express Newark. It was a project that grew out of the faculty in the Arts, Culture, and Media Department at Rutgers University, Newark, and the partnerships that they were engaged in with various artists and arts organizations in the city of Newark. Um, We were established in 2017, and we grew out of this this engaged collaboration. And the building of our 50,000-square-foot art space um, was really... a a collaboration in in and of itself um, with a variety of different artists in the community and arts organizations. Um, We are an arts incubator. We are um, incubating different arts organizations. One of our recent partners, the uh, Newark Print Shop, just graduated from the incubator and we're um, beginning the incubation of a new collaborative called Artistic Passion and Purpose. Um, We also um, have a variety of other um, faculty, community-led initiatives So, in our various studios. We have a community media center that is co-led by um, uh, the person who's the head of television and film for the city of Newark and a documentary filmmaker and has 21 different artists in residence who use our production studio and our editing lab in their work and they collaborate with uh, Rutgers University students and faculty to um, do a variety of different projects. Um, We have a 3D printing studio called the form design studio and Um, In the form design studio, uh, we teach a variety of different groups, high school students, college students, um, sometimes senior citizens, and others from the community. And um, the artists in that studio interact with different professional artists and um, even scientists. So they've got a piece that was printed in the form design studio that has been um, in outer space. We also have a design consortium and uh, visual means projects that are the brainchilds of our graphic design faculty. And typically they offer design services to not-for-profits to help them realize different projects such as websites or um, new branding. Um, We have our Paul Robeson Galleries, which are uh, a museum quality gallery at the center um, of Express Newark that, houses a variety of different exhibits that engage the community and issues important to our community in different ways. So right now they're showing um, an exhibit called Feast and Famine that looks at issues surrounding uh, our interaction with food and food justice. We also house the Shine Portrait Studio, which is a photography studio that's been reimagined for the 21st century. Um, the building where we're housed is an old department store that has been renovated. And in that department store was a historic photography studio where James Vanderzee, the great Harlem Renaissance photographer, got his start. Um, and they engage in different um, artist residencies and partnerships. We also have um, different um, projects that are more journalistic in nature. So the newest Americans project is um, a a digital magazine that has video photography and news stories about the different people that have come to the city of Newark, either through migration or immigration, telling those stories. And then we also house the humanities action lab, which is a consortium of over 50 universities across the country. That every year focuses on one topic and dives deep into a community-integrated course that um, explores that topic. So they've um, their states of incarceration show is now traveling the country, looking at issues around mass incarceration. One um, the class at Rutgers Newark looked at um, what was going on at the Elizabeth Detention Center right here in, in Essex County where we're based. Um, and right now they're looking at issues surrounding climate change, and that'll be the topic of their, their next, um, exhibit that then travels the country again. So, um, I think I've mentioned most of our projects. Um, if I, if I've missed any, I know I'll hear about it, but, (laughs) (laughs) and then Victor and I, um, just, you know, we try to keep everything moving and running and uh, we oversee the staff and interact with all the different projects and um, basically try to support the great work that they're doing. Yeah,
3: yeah. I um, just wanted to add Anna's covered most of the initiatives within the umbrella of Express Newark. I just wanted to add that my interest in this project as a um, as sort of the community part the community direct co-director is is in in the develop of Expre- development of express development of express nor, um as a um as a startup as a as a growing um organization that that is stage based that um that is sort of trying to move from the phase where it's an idea um into uh, a, a, an organization that has um, systems in place that have um, a sort of uh, that that sort of aligns the university with the community because part of what we're talking about is new Newark as being not the university or the community in which it's uh, located but somewhere in between, sort of third space idea. So to To make that happen, I'm my focus is uh, is, is on it on Express network, um Express Newark's development as an institution, and 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 also focusing on it as being stage based. I think we're just about at the end of the startup period, um, and I think we're entering a period where we're trying to now go into looking for strengthening, looking at strengthening relationships with other. Uh, with anchor institutions, partnering with them, sharing costs, um, in fact being mentored um, on how to actualize or realize the best return from our space. We are 50,000 square uh, square feet in a, in a 500,000 square foot space. Um, in the first year, most of what we've done is open up the doors to the community free of charge but that's not a sustainable model. We've got to have some sort of model that allows us to recoup some of our costs. So that's where we are right now, trying to put in place systems that would sustain this initial, the, the initial, you know, the past two years. I mean, so so um, so that's my interest. My interest is in sort of the institutional the kind of infrastructure. And, um, and so with the programming, with, this, with the Engage Scholarship, we're trying to sort of make this. We've got a metaphor that we use. We're flying the plane while we build it. <laughs> so I think we're beginning to land. And, um, yeah. And uh, I think now we're kind of thinking about all right, how we're we going to move forward. Yeah.
4: Uh, well, Victor and Anne, I wish you a nice, soft landing. <laughs> 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 uh, guided carefully onto the runway, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm Melanie LaRosa. I'm an assistant professor in the Media Communications and Visual Arts Department at Pace University. Uh, and Pace is a, uh, we have three campuses. We have a campus by the Brooklyn Bridge, we have a law school in White Plains, and we have another campus in Pleasantville, which is in Westchester County, so just north of New York City. And uh, about four years ago, they started a digital film program, um, started a major. They always had a media major, and they started it, you know, as a, as a completely separate major focused only on filmmaking. I came on board then and started developing and teaching different film classes. Um, and PACE has always had a focus on hands-on education, um, just in, as a general, as a university. It's been... Um, known for its internships and for its intern programs. It has one of the strongest intern programs in all of New York City. So it helps students take advantage of New York City as a resource um, and the the greater New York area as a place to learn. Um, And we continue that in the film program uh, in many ways, obviously through internships with many, many media organizations. But we have always taught in our department um, a travel documentary class where a professor takes students uh, on a documentary trip every spring break, and they spend the whole semester, it's a class, it's graduate and undergraduate class. They come up with a story, you know, she picks a location, they come up with a story, they develop all of the relationships, they do everything that, it, you know, literally create the documentary from scratch. They film it, they edit it, they research it, they do blog posts, all of it. Um, and this has been really a wonderful um, thing for our students and, and a lot are attracted to, to coming to Pace and being in our film program because of that. Um, and when I started, I you know I saw that, and I also saw that the the sort of big gap there was the students who couldn't afford to travel because this class is actually quite expensive um, because they have to pay for their own travel. So I thought, well, what if we do that? You know, but we're not traveling. And so an opportunity came up um, to work with the Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indian. And myself and this other professor said, let's do this and let's start this so that there's another opportunity for students to get this hands-on video production, working with community organizations, um, but not having to travel. And so we did (laughs) the NMAI, National Museum of the American Indian, um, asked for, it was their 100-year anniversary, it was their centennial, um, and it was really an interesting, fabulous opportunity to be able to get into their archives and understand their founding and how did they keep these artifacts safe and protected for a for hundred years. Um, from a filmmaking perspective, it was a very challenging um, assignment because they asked us to do a hundred year, a recap of their 100 years in a five minute video uh, to be played at a thousand dollar a plate dinner, you know, gala, centennial celebration. So an audience that had very sort of high expectations. So. We got our kind of, we called them our varsity team. You know, we we asked several students who we felt like were really ready for something like this to do this. Uh, and we made this video and they got a standing ovation and it was extremely satisfying for, for everybody. And, you know, other students started saying like, hey, can we do this too? Um, you know, so I'm starting in the fall actually doing um, another class. It's called Multimedia Production um, Service. It's It's got a long name. It's called Multimedia Production Service Learning Through Video Production because PACE has a service learning requirement and students have to take that. So we had to stick that in the name as kind of non-clickable uh, as that is as a name. But it's part of one of it's one of the requirements. They have to do service learning somehow. So some of them go, you know, they do do a volunteer job somewhere, you know, something like that. And uh, for nonprofits, video production is usually prohibitively expensive. And we get, you know, a lot of requests from places where they want students to make a video for them. And I thought, well, we can put this together and it can also be a way. And to me, this is really a core of it. It's also a way for students to learn humanities education and humanities topics that they're just going to learn differently because they're doing it through a creative project instead of a lecture or, you know, historical approach. Whereas um, when we worked with the NMAI, the the amount that all of us learned about um, Native American history and also even more so contemporary life for Native American communities, you know, it was tremendous and just meeting artists firsthand who, who some grew up on reservations, some did not grow up on reservations. You know, we could see our students, you know, you just kind of, as an educator, you love when you see the wheels turning. And you don't have to do that much. You set them in the right direction. You, you, you know, they've get, been given the training they need, and now they're up and running, and they're really learning about the world that they live in. And so that's the replication that we're, you know, I'm looking to do in, in the classes that I, I have the, the new multimedia class that's a community-engaged class, we're going to do it in the fall, and it's with two programs, um, what is called Parenting Prisons and Pups, and it is a program that a, a professor um, from Pace University in criminal justice has run for quite a few years, and she goes into jails in New York City and Westchester County, and she goes to classes that you know, the inmates take, they're like reparenting classes, and they bring therapy dogs. And the inmates learn reparenting through these therapy dogs. Um, And it's just like award-winning program. And it's just really a fabulous way to learn about all sorts of issues, from re-entry to society, from prison, to how does a dog help somebody learn to reparent? There's psychology. There's criminal justice. There's there's many facets of this. Um, And plus, they learn video production. And the other group we're going to work with is Arts Westchester, which is an umbrella organization in Westchester County um, that works with many, many, many different kinds of artists from the sort of fine art ballet and, you know, symphony kind of groups to all of the ethnic groups or folklorical groups or painters or sculptors. And we have a couple of different projects in mind with them. They do an arts mobile that goes to schools, and it's a way for students to also learn about why are arts important in a community? How do they function? How can they, how do they, um, speaking of sustainability, Victor, (laughs) how how are they able to function? This fall for our community engagement class, it is being supported by a grant from the Project Pericles. And one of their points of focus is also voter engagement. And so we kind of wrap that into everything, you know, how does, how does voting relate to reentry from, from jail? And what is the relationship there? How does voting relate to the arts? Uh, so again, these, as a video production class, we have a lot of ways to talk to students so that, you know, they, they um, come into the class and, you know, we start out, I've developed these relationships, they come up with stories, they meet with the people, um that are, you know, gonna be on screen. They come up with ideas for stories. They pitch them. And the other the clients, we call them clients, they weigh in on the pitches and they decide, you know, from that which, which direction they want to go in. And then the students do all of the work. Um, and the, you know, in addition to learning about humanities, you know, there are these these skills that I wish I had learned in college that are really valuable, like how to work on a group project you know, even when you're not necessarily best friends with the people on the project, or maybe sometimes because you're best friends, you need to learn how to also be like productive. You know, how do you manage a deadline? How do you deal with um, asking questions and not getting the answers you want? You know, how do you deal with asking questions to get really insightful answers? Um, So we do a lot of different, you know, skills like that come through in this kind of hands-on learning program.
2: Those are such fascinating projects, Melanie. I mean, we knew about the one um, about at the um, National Museum of um, the American Indian, and that was that was so inspiring to learn about. But all of these different classes really, I think, and the ones that, that Jules described as well, all really try to bring together the arts and social justice. And I think that's one of the things I find most inspiring about mm-hmm about everything that's going on here, that this isn't arts for art's sake, which is, I mean, I have no uh, qualms about art for art's sake, which is, you know, I I love the arts in all its different varieties, but there's something really powerful when art is employed in um, the service of social justice, that um, using the arts to, as a medium, that we can communicate through to get messages across and to to have difficult discussions, I think, is is really when you're you're accessing the greatest power of the
3: arts. Well I think that underscores exactly the reason for our existence is that part of what we are trying to repair in a sense is the relationship between the university and the community, relationship between, you know, the, this dynamic of Rutgers that has been in Newark, but not of Newark, and the community, for instance, the, the community is 51% African-American, and the student population that is African-American, um, that that is from here is only 14%. And this is not, this is really, there's a kind of inequity that we are struggling to do. And arts, the arts become um, a sort of medium, a point of intersection for um, um, the community and the university, trying, as as it were, to align um, itself, the universities trying to align itself with issues that are relevant to the community in which it's located. So... So I think um, um, this is interesting, Melanie. As you were talking about this, I wanted to suggest you should probably be at Rutgers. <laughs> uh, because, no, 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 because I also think that they're, they're, one, one thing that occurred to me as an artist is that people have different learning styles. I will go to sleep in a lecture, but if I were working on a project, it's amazing how much... I would learn from just researching the project, then do, building something, making a work of art, you know, having interactive kind of relationship, with, collaborating with my colleagues. I mean, that to me, I mean, as a founder of a not-for-profit, was critical because, in a sense, um, I guess what I craved was community. I really wanted community. And so in order, to, it was not just about my work. You know, it was not just about the model of oh, the artist is this kind of Jackson Pollock figure, who's <laughs> sort of you know rugged, stands alone. It really was a, a you know about a desire for for creative, creative community. So and across disciplines. So so yeah.
1: I'd like to echo that. I just I think it's so important to have an expanded um, perspective and build expanded teams. When you're creating a design team or doing community-engaged work to include a variety of different practitioners. And um, so again, just to reiterate the you know, the types of teams that we tend to build through our um, community-based initiatives that uh, um, through new law, new law Lab are the ones that we definitely include lawyers, law students, design students, leaders from community groups. Um, are kind of local uh, neighborhood advocates, um, a variety of different educators, sometimes court officers. Um, other legal educators tend to get involved in our work because in terms of trying to uh, be more creative in their classrooms um, and meet the needs of their students who are kind of demanding this type of work as, uh, as part of their education, demanding work that um, is uh, centered in the communities that they are working within. Um, And again, we um, often have links to other types of human rights organizations, and um, definitely artists that are uh, more geared towards um, socially engaged art practices. They kinda wanna wanna partner with us because we have relationships with these other types of entities. So we tend to act as sort of a, a linkage between people that are trying to do impact work and what are the networks that we can connect various artists to to allow them to um, I think activate in a more expanded network in an expanded way.
3: Well, that yeah. definitely intersects with work at the form design studio and visual means. And and Jules, I've always said that uh, to myself that that what I what I see in your project is is an expansion of what's happening there. I think this is the first project that I kind of, uh, uh, the first project with, um, uh, uh, Professor Trout trying to visualize gentrification, um, that really caught my attention. But, but what you're doing is so complex. No wonder you can't, they can't find a way of working with you yet, because you're doing so many things and they're so complex. And, you know, even as artists, I've, you know, some of what you're doing is, to me, I mean, in a sense, you've raised the bar so high. Why do you have to do No, I'm just joking. Yeah, why do you have to do that? It's, it's really complex. All the relationships that you're talking about, I mean, they're, 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 it's, it's a broad cross-section of all kinds of disciplines and human activity.
1: Well, that's, that's why it's been such a joy to center a uh, creative practice within the context of a um, public interest law school with people that um you know a lot of the folks that i work with here come from creative backgrounds but they're also trying to find creative solutions so some of the the projects you know we work a lot with our social justice archives speaking on uh kind of how we might visualize either history or um you know gentrification we actually draw upon um different ways to incorporate um you know, case law as it is connected to archival history, as it is connected to things that are happening in the present um, to kind of link history with kind of contemporary issues. And I know that um, based on some of the things that you've talked about before um, at a new work express that that is also really important is to kind of activate the history of the, the neighborhood that you're centered within to kind of continue to, um, I guess, change or engage, uh, you know, current residents, but we have to understand, we have to go back into history, um, to be able to, I think, do that sometimes. I just I, I
4: just, I just want to jump in and just say like for, for both, I mean, Express Newark, I am so impressed by the breadth of what you've described and how much, uh, efforts been made to, to do that kind of healing relationship between the community and the university, because I went to, uh, Big Ten universities uh, when I was an undergrad and also a very big university in a city and and um, that didn't have, you know, a lot of cities and their, their universities don't have the greatest relationships for various reasons. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's important to know why. Those relationships can be tense, but it's also important to look at what can you do with the university often being seen as the one with resources, the one that can take that effort. For me, I look at it as the university is an institution and the institution is meant for young people, you know, as a place for young people to learn about the world and proceed in it, um, you know, better than they they came in. (laughs) We make them better and they come out stronger. Um, And the best way me to see how to do that is to use the community around it. And so I feel very lucky to be located in the New York City area with so many resources. When I was teaching uh, film history classes, I always had one assignment that was like, go to this museum, you know, whatever the exhibit happened to be that I felt like was worthy, you know, go here and see it. Not it, partly because I felt like whatever the exhibit was, was important, but it's the act of using your community. Go find this other resource. Don't just wait for your professor to tell you, read this book or watch this thing. You know, So with, with what each of you are doing, I just think it's so valuable because it helps students kind of take those first steps out of a classroom and connect with a community. Um, One thing I've noticed that I've actually been very surprised by in my we I I teach mostly undergraduates every now and then I teach a grad class. I did a lot of that more for a while. And then our undergraduate program grew so fast that we just needed faculty to focus on the undergrads. You know, and if you remember at that age, you know, you're struggling and sometimes with your social relationships, maybe you're anxious. How do you meet new people? How do you do? You know, you're dealing with all these like probably 75 percent of your brain is taken up with the relationships and and life navigation. You know, as much as a professor, you'd like to say 75 percent of their brains are taken up with learning. It's probably not. (laughs) But I've been very surprised when we talk about different you know online communities or ways to you know like uh, i taught an emerging media class and we did a lot of virtual reality and you know would you go it was questions like would you go to a beyonce concert in virtual reality and it was very lukewarm you know a lot of students were like this is never going to replace a face-to-face and they really want these social real life as we call it right you know engagements and interactions Um, And I found that a lot of our students are trying to learn, how do I do that? How do I make my own film? How do I go find a production company? How do I, if I meet somebody, how do I talk to them? So all of these, you know, skills where in a lecture format, this would be, and I'm with you, Victor, in a lecture, I have a time limit, you know, and, and my timer goes off and I start to drift and I feel like there's only so much information I can retain. And I can, like, I love a good history lecture. I can learn so much. It's just, there's a time limit. And after that, and I really think if you were to look at, um, you know, sort of people who theorize about education, there's probably a number, there's probably a number that your average person can only listen for so long before they need to do something. Overload, overload. information overload, right? So so I do feel like this is a really important, all of our different modalities, they, they provide that turning theory, turning history into something you can do. And that is where real learning happens.
2: Yeah, and I, I think, Melanie, on that, on that point, like the engagement between the university and the community, it, it's a two-way street, it's a two-way relationship. You know, our students certainly get so much out of having real-world experience. And um, the community members that that we get to encounter get so much out of you know interacting with the students and seeing that learning taking place that their lives are being um, you know, valued and their experience is important. That this is really a two way street that um, everyone is benefiting and and we really think about that at Rutgers University Newark. Our, our chancellor Nancy Cantor is. Um, is someone who brought the anchor institution method um, mission to the city of Newark. She has worked tirelessly to bring everyone to the table, whether it's the mayor's office and the different constituents that um, are at the mayor's office, whether it's the um, the business community, whether it's the arts institutions, both large and small. Um, everyone is, is coming to the table, and the leaders from these different sectors. Um, we have a, a, a large number of community development organizations in the city of Newark that have historically been working with different um, neighborhoods and communities. And when all of these leaders come to the table, and together they work about um, at solving the issues that that are um, in our. Society and in our city, our power is amplified. And, um, you know, I, I see that in a lot of different examples. Here in, in Newark, our, our newest Americans project is, is working with the Ironbound Community Corporation, a neighborhood that's been historically um, plagued by climate issues and also by pollution. And working with that community. To tell that story is um, really powerful. The the community members feel heard, important issues are brought to light or um, brought to the public, and um, oftentimes resources can be marshaled because of that communication around those issues.
4: Yeah, yeah. And if you're if your you know perspective is art as a means for uh, fostering a conversation about social justice. I think it's really, you know, people who are listening to this podcast are going to say like, oh, I completely understand. And I wonder if some of the people who are listening, maybe, you know, who are artists who are like, well, that's great, but my modality is fine arts. I, I want to train students to put stuff in a museum or on a screen or on a wall. And and it's really about absolutely perfect execution and, and artistic voice. And I actually feel like that comes through so clearly in, in, in the ways that I see, for example, how do you get a great camera shot? Okay. How do you get a great, great cinematography? Well, you need different locations. You're not always going to be in a studio and have everything perfectly under your control. How do you get a wonderful shot, natural lighting in, um, you know, a field location where you have about 10% of control of the environment, you know, and, and that gives a student something to think about. So even if the student's interest is like, well, I'm really more interested in cinematography and this stuff is great, but I want to go to Hollywood. It still has, you know, learning value for them, you know, and I think you could really apply that. And not to say that students shouldn't care about it, but, you know, to be to to kind of really look at all the different motivations, you know, a student or an educator has and, and look at the different value that, that all of these projects bring. Um. How do you foster a conversation? How do you navigate something um, long-standing with the, you know, either it's a distance where pace, you know, in our case we didn't have a lot of these relationships and we're starting to foster them. Whereas in Newark you had a kind of a different landscape that you're starting to navigate. That all of these educate students for for their future, their careers, or you know, ongoing education.
3: Yeah, I just but- want one 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 quick word. I think what Melanie, what you're talking about, and those two things could be something in my mind and my thinking as an artist. One is content, content that might or might not interest the student. It's about social justice or equity or or um, LGBT issues or issues on race and gender. There's out there always what I what I hear you. There's always the formal concerns when you are making a piece of art. And so you can learn about that. So, But one thing I just wanted to to add um, about the collaboration between the community and the university, historically, the university sets itself up as the bastion of knowledge. Part of what we want to convey through our third space is the notion that, that there's knowledge in the community that is equal. So the pursuit is in a relationship that is equitable, uh, that democratic, and that that is respectful. So that the university is not presenting itself as as knowing it all, that that the university can generate knowledge too. And in fact, the Trout example is an example of the university working with the community to generate new knowledge.
1: So I think it's- Absolutely. Another pedagogy that's really important, uh, at least for our students, is um, the idea of research and listening, listening deeply, taking, especially within a legal context, is to take the listening, listening deeply to community. So it's this idea of not leading and not coming into community with a particular knowledge set, but to actually listen, listen to, and then to respond, and then to the elements of designing with, not for co-designing with in collaboration with so you're never designing for you're designing with difficult work difficult
4: but valuable and once you're in that moment and doing it it's what seems to make sense you know when you realize at the end of it everyone is happy with it and satisfied and they feel like it's valuable for everybody yeah
2: yeah i i think the um the
4: idea about
2: getting the narrative right is really important. Um, So many times narratives are told about people from a distant perspective. But if we allow the community to come in and tell the story with, like Jules said, then we're gonna get the real story. Then we're gonna get all the really rich details and experiences that are true and that um, really tell the real story of any community.
0: Hello and welcome to CAA Conversations. Today I'm with Melanie LaRosa, Jules Rochelle Siebert, Anne Chopper Inglot, and Victor Dabson to talk about art and community engagement. Melanie LaRosa is a professor of media production at Pace University in Pleasantville, New York. She is an award winning independent filmmaker, and her latest film, How to Power a City, is currently in post production with short excerpts screening at festivals worldwide. Jules Rochelle Sievert is an artist and creative director at New Law Lab at Northeastern University School of Law. She has developed key cross-disciplinary institutional projects, community-based partnerships, and creative programs for the lab. Anne Chopper inglott is a professor of practice in architecture and humanities in the arts, cultural, and media department at Rutgers University, Newark, and co-directs Express Newark, a 50,000-square-foot university arts community center. Victor Davson is a visual artist and founding director of Algyra, a center for contemporary art in Newark, New Jersey, and has served as its director for 33 years. Welcome.